I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast by the Takshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to All Things Policy. Over the last few months, you might have noticed that India hasn't done a particularly job of fighting the coronavirus pandemic. A big cause of of India's inefficient response to it can be seen in the way that our public health system is structured. There aren't very clear definitions as to who exactly is supposed to do what. Uh, there isn't some very intensive disease surveillance that happens. And unlike a lot of other um, developing countries such as Vietnam and Thailand, India's public health system didn't really seem to be expecting that the coronavirus pandemic could get out of hand and instead adopted a more or less laid-back kind of approach, uh, insisting on extremely strict measures and then the lifting of the extremely strict measures to the point where we have no idea exactly where uh, the progress of the pandemic is in the country right now. That's something that we, of course, have our problems with, and we have an idea as to how to solve them. Um, I have with me today Sunila and Shambhavi. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Amirat. So, Sunila and Shambhavi have written a very interesting document on how to totally revamp India's public health system, which has some absolutely fascinating ideas uh, on how to cut through the red tape and the political indecisiveness that currently plagues the public health system. But before we get into what we're exactly proposing, let's try to understand what doesn't work in India's public health system right now. And the best way to do that, of course, is to understand first what does work in other countries. So can you guys give us an understanding of what a good public health system does? How is a good public health system structured? A good public health governance system is guided by four aspects. First is a policy-making platform, which allows for intersectoral coordination. We all know public health is multidisciplinary. It requires coordination between various departments, uh, such as nutrition, environment, transportation, pharmaceutical. Second part is uh, it needs to have clearly defined goals and responsibilities which uh, with respect to public health function. But in the current public health system, there is uh, confusion about who is doing what exactly. Third point is the public health system needs to be backed by a strong database. Uh, so the data collection and management system has to be very tight and has to be supported by strong data collection methods. And the fourth uh, part of the good governance system is that there need to be institutions of quality control and uh, there has to be regulatory compliance. Uh, so that uh, there is better transparency and accountability in the system. So can you, can you give us an example of how this might actually work in practice? In your document, you talk about um, Australia, Taiwan, Thailand as good examples of a functioning public health system. Um, so can you give us an example of um, how this demarcation of responsibility, strong data collection and so on uh, actually works in the moment of a national crisis like a pandemic? Right. If I talk about Thailand, so Thailand has Ministry of Public Health, uh, which initially 
was responsible for uh, functions like policy formulation, regulation, service provision, and human resource development. Uh, but in 1990s, uh, reforms were introduced in the health system of Thailand. And with those reforms, uh, autonomous institutions were established under the ministry, which led to separation of steering and growing functions. So now the uh, Ministry of Public Health in Thailand is composed of three clusters that look after disease control, medical services, and service support. Uh, there's this National Health Security Office, which is responsible for managing health services budget and purchasing. And there's this National Health Commission office, which convenes the annual National Health Assembly, uh, ensuring participation of all relevant ministries and non-state actors in formulating health policy. So this is in relation to the first aspect I talk about, about having a platform for interdepartmental or interministerial coordination. And it's interesting to know that even Thailand has very limited resources, as does India. But it has done really well when it came to the control of COVID-19. It doesn't even have a lockdown right now. So the reason uh, that has happened is because Thailand has a great uh, public health system, uh, which has extensive community reach at a grassroots level. And Thailand also adopted the aggressive contact tracing strategies. And the contact tracing combined with Thailand's low-cost healthcare services and the presence of public health facilities at community level helped them to control the outbreak. And the National Health Security Office, which I talked about earlier, it has a major role to play because it ensures health security for poor people by managing the universal coverage. What is most striking to me about this is the way that it contrasts with India's system. Um, the, the fact that India has nothing comparable in terms of uh, community level, in terms of like an overall coordinated response, in terms of aggressive contact tracing um, is really quite striking. So what was it that India lacked institutionally uh, that led to the bungled response to the pandemic? Okay, first thing, I just wanted to make it clear that document that we have written on is about the public health governance system. So as in the main decisions that are made as part of uh, public health response and not generally about the system that comprises of ASHA workers and doctors and et cetera, et cetera, right? So this is more at the decision level making uh, process than the actual public health response uh, process. And I think our uh, the failures in our response also came at that level of decision making, uh, not particularly at the level of, of the grassroots. A, uh, we had a lot of time to prepare for the uh, on- oncoming pandemic. Uh, we knew about this since January at least, and we've managed to do very little. In terms of raising awareness, in terms of preparing resources, in terms of allocating, um, you know, it could be N95 masks, uh, it could be PPEs. Our policies have been extremely reactive and not proactive. Um, and I think part of the problem that we see is that there is no ownership of particular verticals. Uh, so what we have seen now is that the response from the Minister of Health and Family Welfare became very concentrated in the uh, in the ICMR, uh, and they have a different public health department. They have the CDSCO, which is supposed to be regulating testing kits, but instead everything has got concentrated in the ICMR. Also, it's very difficult for India because uh, health is a state subject. And that's why a lot of states also have been able to uh, have their own mechanisms uh, in terms of funding and in terms of uh, grassroots level organizations participating in the response. So we have seen states like Kerala do very well because they had that kind of community engagement, whereas other states have failed to do so, I mean, we don't have the time in in the midst of a pandemic to build up 
that infrastructure because Kerala already had that, they could utilize it, but we don't have that uniformly spread across India. And in the time that we could have used to, to prepare for that, we really did not. So how do you guys propose that we change things? Um, I think the one big thing that you're recommending is a much clearer demarcation of the responsibilities. I think in the national response to the COVID pandemic, one big issue that everybody could see was the fact that the ICMR seemed to be calling all the shots. We did a podcast about this as well, which we'll link in the description. Um, but we talked about the fact that the ICMR was making its own testing kits, signing off on testing kits, and coming up with rules and regulations which it had really neither the expertise nor the mandate to do, primarily because uh, of a certain kind of institutional confusion at the very highest levels of government, because the director of the ICMR was well known to uh, people who are running the show. How do you guys uh, propose that we fix this? Um, What kind of public health functions does your new system aim to uh, address? And in terms of the kind of institutions that you guys are proposing, how would these tackle those public health functions? Right. So uh, what we have uh, initially done when we started looking at uh, what to change was we tried to figure out uh, what the existing structure of uh, the MOHFW is. Um, I think what Sunilan spent a lot of time trying to figure out who does what. And if you ask us, I don't think we still have an answer. We tried. So for a lot of these countries that Sunila spoke about, she actually could derive a map that linked which department is doing what function. Um, And we could make coherent sense of those mind maps, uh, but we just could not for the Indian MOHFW. And so we decided that we would just start from new. And the fundamental thing that we were stressing on was that, look, health is still a state subject. Health care is something that probably states should be looking at. But because there are so many externalities which are important when it comes to public health, probably we need a more uniform system, we need a more uniform governance system, make sure that all states have the resources available to actually put in systems that will improve public health and hence a national level public health governance system, right? So, and that was the first principle that we wanted to build it on that whatever we do, it is to improve public health. I mean, we uh, this, has, this topic has come into so much attention now because of COVID-19. But the idea of the public health system would have been to prevent such such a thing from occurring in the first place. And it would have been to improve general overall health of people, right? Uh, so it's more preventive in that way than, uh, than actually uh, treating people. The other principles that we used was that basically what we saw with the COVID-19 response, we wanted to build a system where there is no conflict of interest for a department. So like the ICMR example, uh, where there were no overlapping functions, which again, we saw with the ICMR and CDSCO, uh, both approving testing kits uh, at one point of time. And one of them blacklisting a kit uh, while the other actually put it on, their pro- on its procurement list. I mean, that's really not something that we want to see again. Then giving emphasis on quality control and redressal mechanisms. So public health has to be an interactive function. So we needed to build in redressal mechanisms as much as we can. Devolution of powers down to local governments and then a focus on consumer rights. So with this, these principles in mind, we tried to look at what could a public health governance system look at. And the way we figured that this might actually work is if we put the emphasis back onto the public health functions. So we basically have seven essential public health functions. One is the development of policies uh, and institutional capacity for public health planning and management. Uh, second is monitoring of health status. So the data man- data collection part that uh, Sunila emphasized earlier. Third is surveillance and research and control of the risks and threats to public health. Fourth is actual research in public health. Uh, fifth is health promotion. So you want to uh, promote health seeking behavior to public health measures. Sixth is human resource development and training. 
uh, in public health and seventh is quality assurance. Uh, so these were the basic uh, public health functions that we wanted to look at uh, and build a structure that could be able to take into account these functions and make decisions accordingly. Through this document, we are proposing a system uh, which will have an overarching board for National Public Health Group. So this board was actually uh, uh, proposed in the National Public Health Bill of 2009 uh, and the bill was not passed, so it is not an act yet. And under the purview of the Public Health Board, there will be four departments. The first is Health Monitoring Authority, which will be responsible for continuous surveillance of health parameters. Second is Department of Health Research, which will engage in fundamental and translational research in areas of public health and medicine. Third department is Health Promotion Authority, which will be responsible for communication of health-related policies and advisories to general public. And the fourth is Implementation Support Unit, uh, which will look into the implementation of various functions of the public health system. Now, besides these four departments, the National Public Health Board will also have scientific board which will uh, perform the advisory role to the public health board. And then there will be National Health Accounts Office, which will look into planning and execution of budget and accounting. And then there will be regulatory authority, which will provide regulatory framework for assessment and quality control unit, which will oversee compliance and grievance repress. So how does all this work in practice? Um, I, I can see intuitively how the separation of all these functions can make it easier to uh, monitor a disease, to to have like accurate statistics, to release funds where needed, uh, to have like an overall direction and so on. Um, but let's take let's take the example of the coronavirus pandemic, right? So as as we were talking about earlier, the lack of clarity as to who was supposed to do what was one big reason for the failure of India's response to the coronavirus pandemic because we didn't have this clear kind of direction from the overall public health governance architecture. But how would yours be any different? Uh, so um, basically what would have happened in this case, we had two points that would be routinely monitoring outside threats to, to India. Uh, one would be the scientific board, which advises the National Public Health uh, Board uh, on possible threats, right? So they could either flag that, hey, we, we are seeing this outbreak uh, happen, WHO is involved, there are other countries which are making uh, taking stances and therefore we should as well. So either the scientific board itself would have gone or we could have uh, either people from the HMA or the Department of Health Research uh, who should be researching out threats who would have kept an eye uh, and said that there is a public health threat uh, that is happening and it could come to India, right? Uh, basically, either of them could have activated the National Public Health Board. The National Public Health Board is obviously made up of uh, elected individuals uh, and therefore in a democracy such as ours, they, these are the people who have uh, the control to actually call something uh, out and say that we need to investigate the threat to India. So uh, the National Health Board would have then said that there is a threat in China that is arising from China. Let us investigate and see what needs to be done. Right. So once they activate uh, the public health governance system, uh, we would have found, found, formed a team of the various departments, so which basically control the the seven public health functions that I spoke about. And this team would have to then report back to the National Public Health Board uh, with periodic updates on what the situation is. So we would have had an active team that would have been looking at the situation throughout its progress. What this team would have done is then set up uh, the required uh, infrastructure for picking up cases. 
speaking of COVID-19 within India, uh, we would have one part of the team which would have been looking at how global uh, changes were being made, as well as uh, looking at what kind of uh, health infrastructure would be needed uh, in case the outbreak actually reached India to begin with. The difference is here is obviously we don't we don't have a team which is uh, which has a lot of conflict of interest built in it. We have a team which has to be transparent and is accountable to the National Public Health Board at all points of time. And then we also have a separate scientific advisory board, uh, which is reviewing the team's progress. Uh, so in that way, this would have led to a more rapid kind of a response mechanism. Uh, we wouldn't have had a single department which was um, uh, accountable uh, for anything that had happened. The way these teams are also made is we have scientists, we have doctors, we have ethicists. So we are we are sourcing people from various walks of life. We are ASHA workers uh, as part of one of the teams of the implementation support unit, for example, who will then comment on the grassroots level situation and see what needs to be done there. So the idea of this multidisciplinary team was to make sure that all people who are involved in the response have a voice to say in the actual policy. Uh, yeah, right. so this uh, structure that we talked about is very similar to Australia's or Taiwan structure. In Australia, they have the uh, Australian Health Protection Principle Committee, which is the key agency uh, when it comes to decision making in times of health emergency. And similarly, in Taiwan, they have a Central Epidemic Command Center, which is activated uh, during emergencies to facilitate coordination across various government departments and mobilize resources. So in a way, we have taken inspiration from these countries so that India can have a holistic response, holistic and coordinated response to any public health emergency that may come in the future. The other thing that we also have is the national health accounts, which is part of this uh, new governance system. And these are, so basically when you form an investigation team and when you realize that we need to spend money on either doing the investigation or preparing for an eventual uh, outbreak, you obviously allocate some funding to it. And to make that a transparent process, we have an independent team known as the national health accounts, which will monitor how the money is being spent uh, and give its report independently to the National Public Health Board. So I think one of the things that uh, we find very disconcerting about our current response as well is how the money has been spent. Uh, and so we try to kind of uh, include that as well in the structure. And even in the absence of emergencies, uh, there's the general issue of underutilization of funds. So through national health accounts, uh, the national health accounts which we propose in this system, it will have uh, three main units. So the first is planning unit, which will be responsible for budget formulation. And it will work in coordination with the health monitoring authority and implementation support unit so that it can have a better understanding of the indicators that various health areas are showing and make decisions for the allocation of budget accordingly. Second unit will be execution. Uh, this will establish channels for budget disbursement to various departments and units to ensure that funds reach without any difficulties. And third unit is accounting and reporting, uh, which will keep an account of how funds are spent it will coordinate with the health monitoring authority so that health outcomes and expenditure can be seen in tandem. And this will give a better picture of how much of an increase or decrease in expenditure affected the health outcomes. So I think part of why we are currently in this mess is because uh, there are no clarified uh, rules on which department is supposed to be doing what. So we have the business allocation rules of 1961, which kind of allude to what 
say the ICMR is supposed to be doing, which is biomedical research. But what we also have, for example, is we have the DG Health Services, which is a different department, again, under MOHFW. Um, and under them, they have the Integrated Disease Surveillance Program, which is the IDSP, which is supposed to be monitoring uh, infectious diseases, for example. And really, we should be getting data from there uh, on uh, uh, how much prevalence we have of COVID-19, for example. What we saw over the past three months was something really um, weird for me. So, for example, uh, the DGHS actually uh, published a paper recently uh, modeling COVID-19 spread. And uh, although they should have the data on the COVID-19 spread, they actually did not use any primary data, but instead relied on worldometers uh, data points. Uh, whereas the ICMR seems to have all that, seems to be collecting all the data uh, on COVID-19 prevalence. Um, and obviously have not, has not released a lot of, say, the surveillance data that they were supposed to about a month ago. So we wanted to make sure that a new system does not have that kind of thing. We know who reports uh, to whom, who has that central functionality. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that there was a, a good uh, flow of data across all the departments so that necessary actions can be taken without uh, red tape. All right, cool. Um, thank you guys so much. I think what you're describing is really the kind of uh, modern public health system that India should have had a couple of generations ago. Uh, but let's hope that um, the powers that be do actually um, read your discussion document. There'll be a link in the bio. Uh, and I hope that all of our listeners also take a look and um, try to get a sense of what works and what doesn't work in a public health system. And um, here's hoping for the pandemic to be brought under control as soon as it possibly can. On that note, thank you guys so much for joining us and thank you for listening to All Things Policy. Thank you. Thanks a if you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, Check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashila.inst or our website takshashila.org.in.